Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and really I'm just here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That certainly means helping you improve your photographic skills and enabling you to become a stronger business owner, but it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We are sponsored by PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca Podcast episode. I'm here with actually a repeat guest, Rachel Howard. Rachel, thank you so much for hanging out with me yet again today. Yes, I'm so excited to be back. Well, and we we jumped on Zoom a second ago. That's for anybody listening in. That's how I normally record my interviews, unless of course I get to do it in person. And and I told Rachel, I was like, let's let's just wait on any of the introductory conversation until we actually hit the record button, because I want to want our listeners to be able to to hear, kind of listen in, if you will, even on that stuff. So uh, this is a bit of an unusual one. I don't think we've done this before. You came on the show the first time back in March, episode 350 for one of our brand position consultations, and now you're back for a second episode, which not a lot of our guests can say. So that's pretty cool. I feel so honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is the first time that we've ever had a repeat guest where the first the first episode was a brand position consultation, and then we're coming on for a quote-unquote normal episode. For anybody who didn't hear that episode, make sure that you go back to episode 350. We'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And uh, this was an episode that was released back in March, episode 350. What's crazy, Rachel, is by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be closer to episode 450, uh, which is Whoa. a little bit insane to think about that we've put out about 100 podcast episodes you know, within the span of seven, eight months or so. Um, we've been putting out a ton of content, but thank you so much for being a part of that. Yes. And we're actually getting it into, um, yet again, another interesting conversation today, talking about how to set up a styled shoot. Um, and, you know, this is an interesting point of conversation, styled shoots, workshops, conferences, uh, actually workshops more specifically, as it relates to photographers who, I mean, these days it seems to be like the end thing to get into education, workshops, styled shoots is becoming more and more popular and uh, so I'm, I'm interested to get Rachel's take on this um, from a variety of angles. And so we're going to get to that conversation here in just a little bit. But Rachel, we're going to start with kind of a funny conversation uh, or question ultimately, <laughs> which has to do with brand position. We got into this in a lot of detail in that first episode. But um, since that episode, what have you established as your business's brand position? So you and I actually nailed down my statement but I ended up outsourcing to a content creator strategist to help me hone in on the whole outline, like my mission and value and everything like that. Yeah. But, so my state, my statement is photographing the raw beauty of life in North Alabama and beyond. I know you really focus. I know you really emphasize, you know, sticking in one market, but I really wanted to add that and beyond because I did my first uh, destination wedding and hopes to book more. So that's kind of why I kept that on there. That's exciting. Where best did you get to shoot? Cape Cod. Whoa, that's a yeah, that's definitely beyond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way, way out of the way of Alabama, but it, it was such a great trip. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm excited for you. And um, you know, I, I think the fact that there's still specificity in that statement, North Alabama, I think that, you know, when it comes to SEO, you're likely, you're more likely to get picked up for that kind of specificity. Um, mm -hmm. But including the beyond for the sake of those who come to the site, giving them a little bit of context that you're not just limited to North Alabama. I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I'd like to okay, focus good. on <laughs> photographing the raw beauty. And as long as you follow through with imagery that, that, that gives that sense of rawness, you know, because we're, we're so used to, I mean, I know it's kind of almost an exhausted conversation at this point, but we're used to everything looking so perfect these days, particularly with social media. If you're able to capture images and consistently display those images that reflect this position of raw imagery that looks, I mean, it, it looks real. Uh, at least when I, when I hear the word raw, that's what I think about. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really, really powerful brand position statement. So kudos to you for that, for making that happen. 
Um, yes, and thank you for helping. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And for everybody listening in, if, if you want to go take a look at Rachel's, not only her Instagram, but website as well, we'll put those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, the Instagram handle is raw underscore images underscore with underscore rage. And then the website is raw images with rage, just like it sounds, dot com, And we'll link to that in the show notes. Okay, so we've got the brand position down. And for anybody listening in, if you're curious how we got there, make sure to go listen to episode 350. But let me jump to the next question, Rachel. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner. What have you learned personally has been the most impactful principle behind providing a wonderful customer experience for your clients? Definitely consistency. And then me personally, I'm very personable. So personable and consistency. I, the second part of my um, brand position, I guess, statement is I believe in capturing a, a family experience for my clients where they feel at home and comfortable around me allowing them to be their true self. So I'm from Hartzell. It's a small town um, in North Alabama. And I've been consistent with my work and the the service that I provide. But also the the biggest thing with me is just being personable. People, people tend to book me a second time because they said that they didn't feel awkward in front of the camera. It's, they showed up and they felt like they already knew me. And so that would be personable and consistency. And the consistency, you were talking about consistency in the images, the type of images that you're delivering, the experience, the combination above it. What's, what comes to mind when you talk about consistency? Both. It took me a while to find my quote unquote look in photography, but it's also that client experience on, you know, delivering the same consistency throughout mm. the whole process mm-hmm of from when they book, when they have their session, and when you deliver those images. And that's that's how you get return customers is, is through consistency. Talk to me about free time. This is something that we come back to so much on the podcast. Consistent. Speaking of consistency, it's something that we consistently come back to on the <laughs> book of podcasts. It's, it's free time. How to create free time for ourselves as business owners because uh, at least my take on it is that if we don't have that kind of freedom and flexibility, it's kind of pointless to be our own business, our, our own uh, boss, if you will. Um, it kind of defeats the purpose if we're working 80 hours a week and we don't have that kind of freedom. So what are you doing intentionally, proactively to create that kind of freedom and flexibility in your life and your business? Is there a particular tip or principle or idea that drives that? There are some things throughout my week that don't change as far as you know, getting up and working out. I know that you do that same thing. It really helps to to free my mind to start my day. But mm. um, And then I also have church every Wednesday night. I help uh, lead worship. And so I always have sound check on Wednesday nights. And I always have Bible study on Thursdays. And so I know that those dates or evenings are not available. But overall, I'm learning how to time block. Okay. And if I don't walk that time, then I'm going to fill it up with work. It's just who I am. And, you know, as a business owner, if you don't work, you don't, you don't work, you don't get paid, essentially. <laughs> <This> <laughs> <is> so <true. laughs> you, you feel like you always have to work, but oh my goodness, you've got to take that time for yourself. And this is my fourth year as a photographer, my second full-time year. And I have learned that if I don't take the time off and if I don't go ahead and block it, then I'm just going to run myself ragged. So we've had a lot of guests talk about this idea of time blocking. Can you describe in more detail what that looks like for you specifically? So I just started this about August or September. It's very recent. And at that time, COVID is still pretty intense here in our area, but we're still living our best lives and just doing the best we can wearing the masks and stuff. So I've been very busy, unbelievably busy. And so but I think back in September, I went ahead and looked at the rest of my year and I said, where are the weeks that I can take off? So I went ahead and took off this week and then I'm taking off on Thanksgiving week and then I'm not booking anymore for Christmas. And I am I'm, I'm let that be known to all my clients and mm-hmm. through social media, like, hey, if you need your Christmas card pictures, you need to book before this date. Otherwise, you're not going to get them basically. So um, I'm just, I'm blocking weeks. It's not specific days. uh, Although I am starting to take off on Sundays. That's the only day that my husband and I have off work together and marriage is very important. And so you have to make that extra effort to spend time with your loved ones. And so 
taking off on Sundays from now on and then just looking ahead throughout my calendar and finding like at least a good four, four to seven days consistently that I can take off. Interesting. So, so when, I mean, a lot of our guests have talked about time blocking in the sense of a day-to-day breakdown where they allocated an hour or two to this and some other time to that. You're talking about blocking off days or weeks for the sake of work or rest. Is that right? That's correct. I'll go two or three weeks and then take the week off and then go another two or three weeks. Cause I, I, I tend to push through and I just, okay, I've got two more weeks. Okay. I've got yeah. one more week. And then I've got that whole week of rest. That's really cool actually. And and a little bit of a different take than I think most of the photographers that have been on here have, have brought. So I really like that. And again, I would encourage all of our listeners to kind of this kind of freedom and flexibility where you can go take a week off and not have to worry about it, it is absolutely possible. Um, if you do a couple of different things, one, Rachel already alluded to this, be proactive in your communication with your clients. All you have to do is let them know and certainly let them know in advance. But as long as you give them that heads up, this is possible. And then when you are working, again, to Rachel's point, you're putting the work in, it's head down, you work really hard, you get the work done. And then that means that you can actually take a break during that time off. Um, I love this, Rachel. That's that's really, really cool. So major props to you for that. I, now, yeah, thank you. Time management, uh, a big component of time management is delegation. I know you that you're relatively new in business, but are there elements of your business that you've begun to delegate yet? What's your thought process behind that? Oh, yes. Delegation is my favorite word. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Delegation and outsourcing. Um, so the first thing I outsource is my editing to photographers edit. Woo-hoo. I've been, yes, I have been <laughs> using y'all since, uh, I think I decided in December, I had two weddings right before Christmas and right after. And okay. I was like, how am I going to spend time with my family? So I tried photographers edit for the first time and I have not looked back ever since. I was actually going to go back and count how many images I've sent to photographers edit since then and I just it's I can't count them like it's it's so many so well that that's a really kind thing by the way for anybody listening in and break the fourth wall a little bit here I this was not a conversation Rachel and I had ahead of time so I didn't know she was going to bring this up but that's that's really cool I'm, I'm glad um it's always nice to get a bit of a shout out for photographers edit but the thing that makes me happiest is to know that we're we're actually making a difference in photographers lives um, and to know that you're getting a bit of your life back because of that, that's, that's super encouraging. I'm glad to hear it. No doubt. Yeah. That, that would be the biggest thing that I outsource, but then two other things that I, um, I delegate my bookkeeping and album design. So I've got a girl that, um, I guess she's a a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. Um, she, is a, a friend of mine who also works in the doctor's office that I left to do photography full time. And so we have the same way of thinking as far as she's very detail oriented. She's OCD like me. <laughs> and so she, <laughs> she does all my bookkeeping. And I, of course I look over those numbers before I do my taxes every month. Sure. But then she also does my album design and then she does the bulk of the work and I, I look at it and make sure pictures look good and then I'll press order. So it has been wonderful to have somebody there to to help you along the way because I can't do it all I mean I probably could but I would kill myself in the in the doings so it's very important when you get to that point where you're so overwhelmed with work yeah try to outsource one thing at a time you make an interesting point there and that I mean I hear so much in our industry you said I could probably do it all um, and, and I think that's where most photographers stop, right? Like they think that, mm-hmm. well, because they can do it or because they enjoy it, then they should just do it. And that might hold true to a point, or maybe there's certain times in our business where we take on more and, and kind of to our earlier conversation, we put our head down and get the work done, work extra hard. But the reality is that if we're, if this is going to be a sustainable business, then we can't do it all, all the time. And so looking for opportunities to delegate whatever part of our business that we possibly can to somebody else so that it enables us again to have that freedom and flexibility. Super, super important. You mentioned something though, and this caught my attention. You said that you're a bit OCD and this is something a lot of photographers talk about. Um, but I'm curious how that works with handing over your image editing to photographers edit in this case, but just in general, the idea of delegating your editing work, a lot of photographers don't do it because they claim to be OCD. How did you manage to kind of make that compromise? Yeah. So it was just a sense of pride in myself and in my work and in my business that I felt like that I was supposed to do it all. But when I finally gave up 
a little bit of control and I promise you can do it. OCDers, you can just try it. Just try <laughs> it. And, and I promise you'll reap the benefits in the long run. Cause it's given me so much time back and not just time for myself, but time that I can utilize other aspects of my business. Like I just completed my personal project for 2020 and it felt so good to have time to be able to do that. Now, I, I think a lot of photographers would say, okay, I get it. You have to kind of give up control. I think the question that might still come back though, and I'm curious to get your take on this, Rachel, is how, how do you give up control? How do you set aside, you know, that so-called pride or that need for control? Is it a, like, are there certain compromises that you made internally in order to make that happen? It is very hard to give up control, but just knowing the fact that I can, I can go back and continue to edit all of my work if I wanted to. And then it's also, it's also um, my religious beliefs. I am a Christian and you, you just have to get rid of that pride to exemplify Christ in your everyday. So I'm, I'm truly just trying to become more like the Lord and pride being prideful is, is something that is not good for anybody. So I guess just, it was easy to give up a lot of my um, editing and bookkeeping, knowing that I can take control of that again, if I need to. If need be. But, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, If need be. Yeah. Sure. And that's an interesting point to, to mention too. And, and just to give it a little bit of context for those of you listening in, I know we don't actually talk about photographers edit a lot, but some might be curious. When you, when you send work to Photographer's Edit, the way that we normally send the finished product back is with a Lightroom catalog. And what that means, very simply, is that you have access to literally all the work that our team did just by opening that catalog, connecting it to the original images, the raw images or JPEG, whatever you shoot in. And you can see the work that our team has done, but you can take it from there and make tweaks and adjustments if need be. Um, in most cases, you shouldn't need to, but it does give you that ability to go back and make adjustments if you would like. And so that's that's what Rachel's talking about here is you have the ability to do that. I think it's good to know, um, creates a, a, a sense of ease, but also to your point, Rachel, and, and you know, this is for everybody listening and re- regardless of your worldview, your religious beliefs, the reality is that that pride or ego really can get in the way not only of relationships, great relationships, and this is something I've learned the hard way, uh, unfortunately, but uh, and it, I'm, I'm working at it. And, and it can also get in the way of running a business in such a way that it frees us up to focus on said relationships and to focus on the things that will actually move our business forward. There's a certain kind of thought process that a lot of photographers just hold on to, which is, unless I do it myself, my client's not going to be happy. And, and the reality is, I would venture in 99, maybe even 0.9% of those cases, they've not, the photographers haven't actually gotten feedback from their, from their clients saying, I know you didn't edit my images and I'm not happy. They've just kind of created that notion in their head and made the assumption and continue to work accordingly. As a result, they're stuck to their computer. And so whether it's editing or any other aspect of your business, the majority of it can be handled by somebody else if you know how to give good instructions and, and let go of control a little bit. What that results then in is not only the freedom to focus on other things in our lives, including relationships, but also to allocate time toward activities that will actually grow our business and sitting in front of a computer editing images or designing albums, not going to help us grow our business in the end. So uh, I'm glad For that you, sure. yeah, I'm glad you lend that perspective. And just to add to that a little bit more, I do still edit every single picture, even though I send all of mine off to photographers edit, because I'll, I'll edit a preview and those will be those flagged images that your, your people can, you know, look to as reference. And then once I get that catalog back, I still click through every image. So I guess, te- I mean, technically I do still quote unquote edit. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> I may, not like, going to lie. I'm cringing just a little bit, Rachel, because I hate to, to know that you're having to do that much or that you're choosing to do that much more work on the, on the back end. But I, I would venture that you're saving hours and hours of time still though, as a result of sending it off. No right? doubt. Okay. Yes. I just, I just like to lay my eyeballs on them. That's the, that's the control freak in me. I still <laughs> look enough. through every picture. I'll crop a little bit and then, and then I export and everybody's happy because I have their images back way ahead of time. So <laughs> That's great. Okay. Talk to me about books. Um, one of my favorite topics. I, I'm, 
I'm trying to be even more intentional in the way that I'm I'm reading books for myself right now, um, consuming less kind of, if you will, digital content, social media, YouTube, et cetera, and, and focusing more on on books. What has been one of the most impactful business books for yourself, Rachel, business or self-help books in the last few years that you'd highly recommend to our listeners? I've got a business and then I've got a self-help book. Oh, perfect. So the f- business one uh, is a guest on your podcast that you've had before by Benjamin Hardy. And it's willpower doesn't work. And I loved listening to his episode. And that is such, such a great book. Um, it just kind of talks about, have you read it? I haven't, no. But I, I this Ooh. is, so you highly recommend this one, huh? No doubt. It uh, it, it talks about the uh, psychological background of why willpower doesn't work. Uh, and you really like it. I know you're really into psychology and stuff. Absolutely. So you should, yeah. It's, it explains how people can change your, your uh, lives on an, on the level of making small impactful changes in your environment. So like who you surround yourself around, uh, setting small goals and so forth and so on. So that's a great book. Willpower doesn't work by Benjamin Hardy. And then my uh, second book would be, uh, it's called sick of me by Whitney Caps and talking about pride and uh, being in control that it's a really good book that I taught to my Thursday night Bible study girls. It just talks about how we can't do it all um, regardless of your religious beliefs. I feel like it's a, it's a good book to read. Okay. Um, If you're, if you're being, if you're kind of sick of how things are in your life, it's great. I mean, if I'm honest, I hear that title sick of me and it's, it sounds a bit depressing, but the reality is that at some point in time, most of us probably have felt that way. Uh, yep. So it certainly grabs attention. We'll link to both of these in the show notes. And, and Rachel mentioned uh, that we had Benjamin Hardy on the podcast, actually. It was back in episode 397. It's an episode entitled, You Aren't Your Personality. And and uh, Ben actually, it was a fascinating conversation. I totally geeked out on that, on that mm-hmm, episode. Me too. Um, so, so good talk, you know, we, we put so much weight these days, it seems on quote who we are. And, and as a result, I think we get distracted from what actually really matters, which is our ability to continue to choose who we want to be. But, uh, he wrote a book called personality isn't permanent. And, um, so we'll link to that. We'll link to this other book. Willpower doesn't work. And then we'll also link to sick of me. We'll put all these in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. And for anybody listening in, I've been mentioning this in recent episodes, uh, Haley put together a really cool collection of the most popular books on our podcast episodes in the last you know, 450 episodes or so. And if you go to bocabookshelf.com, just like it sounds, um, you can see this collection. It's pretty cool. So if you're looking for something to read, uh, you can get some recommendations there. All right, let's get to the main topic at hand, Rachel. Uh, first of all, you you recently hosted what was your first multi-day um, event, retreat, styled shoot for photographers? If you were to sum it up in a sentence or two, how did it go for you, first of all? Fabulous. Can't <laughs> wait to do it again. I, I actually, I've, I've got, I'm planning one for February because it was so successful. Wow. So. And, you know, I, comment just briefly, if you will. I don't want to go too far off topic here, but I mean, you're making this happen. You did one in September and you're going to do one in February amidst COVID. How did you, how did you manage to do that amidst all the restrictions and so forth? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll let everybody know that um, you can wear masks if, if you, if you want to. And then there was girls that stayed the night and I really thought out that, our Airbnb sleeps 10 people, but I think there were eight beds. So I left it at eight maximum photographers could stay the night. So everybody has their own bed. Everybody has their own space. You don't even have to be around people if you don't want to be. So that that was really nerve wracking planning an event with COVID. Who knows if I had to cancel or anything, but luckily everybody stuck in there and nobody's gotten sick. So, um, and was everybody wearing really masks well. throughout the event as well? If we were inside and crowded, yes, but it was very small. There was only four girls that stayed the night, and then we were mainly outside throughout the the, the shooting and the main stuff. So we got to spread out pretty good. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, and of course a deep and long conversation. Um, this this whole topic of COVID, and especially as it relates to events. But I, I can imagine moving forward. Hopefully, we're going to to be in a place where rapid testing is going to even be available for everybody. So you, you have a workshop like this, and those yeah. 
those tests are available. So everybody coming to the workshop can immediately test. We know we're good. And then that gives some mm-hmm. flexibility and leeway when it comes to um, masks, for example. I think at the moment, wearing masks all the time for the sake of consistency and awareness and consideration um, is definitely the the best approach. But uh, I wanted to at least find out how you were managing that. And you know, the, the thing about running a workshop as it relates to COVID and the potential health ramifications, if somebody gets sick, the liability associated with that is pretty significant, to say the least. Um, so yeah. not only would I encourage you, but also everybody listening, if, if you're even considering doing anything like this, make sure you take all um, the the smartest precautions when it comes to this. And hopefully we'll be in a place soon where we do have, you know, rapid test- testing is becoming available, but it's not readily available. I'm hoping it's going to become readily available in the next two or three months uh, because we're even considering doing uh, planning at some point, hopefully sooner than later on doing a Boca photography conference where we're having all the speakers will be previous guests on the podcast. And um, I'm wanting to host it here in Chattanooga and we're going to have to, to look into all of the uh, logistical details associated with doing something like, like that amidst dealing with the fallout from COVID. It's, it's a big challenge. Uh, it is. And nothing will ever be the same. No doubt. For sure. For sure. Well, I, I will, I will keep it as simple for now as just saying, everybody be careful follow precautions, um, and do so consistently. And, uh, I'm, I'm curious when it comes to hosting a workshop and a retreat, uh, what was the motivation for you specifically in doing so? I wanted different content personally, because here in North Alabama, everybody's still getting married in barns, wearing lace, all this. So I thought a boho modern theme would be perfect on my Instagram feed. I'm like, well, I bet if it's perfect for me, it'd be great for other people too. So that's, that's kind of what sparked the idea. And then I saw the listing, the Airbnb listing, um, which is located on Lake Gunnersville. It was in Scottsboro, Alabama and gorgeous farmhouse, all white, you know, photographer's dream to photograph in all white. And so that was, that's what sparked the interest. So I, my next question was going to be about how, you know the the motivation more specifically in the context of there are so many workshops and conferences and styled shoots out there these days it's it is a very crowded space and I see more and more photographers it seems continuing to be interested in getting into the education space teaching in some way whether it's online workshops creating recorded pre-recorded courses doing workshops conferences styled shoots um, and so if we're going to do that, I mean, we talk about brand position endlessly, of course, on the podcast and, and the whole point behind brand position is to stand out amidst the noise, right? Right now, mm-hmm. workshops are a pretty noisy space to be in. And so naturally I wonder what you're thinking, creating a workshop amidst a really noisy space. You saw an opportunity you're saying to do something that was different, a different feel, a different style. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, and when we, I say I did a workshop. It was a maximum of eight photographers. So there was no more than eight people there at one time. Um, and so it kept it really small and intimate. Which is also really, really nice. I know that that being at, uh, I guess, more in the context of conferences, uh, it, it can be, I mean, the, the quality of the, the styled shoots, for example, uh, might be a bit questionable in some cases because photographers are practically crawling all over each other trying to get pictures. But when you have yes. fewer photographers, that certainly that that issue is essentially negated, which is really really nice. And although I, I needed the content, I also needed the retreat part, the rest. And so, even though this was a styled shoot, but it was also a photographer's retreat. So we had two different styled shoots on two different days. But those that stayed the night were really, I really encouraged you them to sleep if they needed to sleep if they needed to edit then edit don't you don't have to feel like you you had to be involved it was a very relaxed space and it was very comfortable and i i would continue to keep it intimate because i i do not know everything as far as photography goes and i did a couple um what was it personal professional development sessions each evening just to add value to the attendees and uh, I brought in uh, one girl from Illinois that talked about uh, social media and marketing. And then the next evening, I used your brand position sheet from the book podcast. And I let everybody fill that out. And then I talked about what how important a brand position was. But I did also learn a lot from everybody else. Like, even though I don't know everything, um, 
I, I still gained value myself and learned from other photographers. And then those relationships that were formed were fantastic. So I will continue to keep it intimate in, in the future. You said you don't know everything and none of us do. So we're all in the same yeah. boat as far as that's <laughs> concerned. And, and you can be encouraged by that. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm sure that there, there might be questions um, about, somebody who is new to the industry, as you pointed out earlier, you're relatively new to the industry hosting a workshop. I'm curious how you would, I don't personally have a problem with the idea uh, as long as there's value within that workshop, in that conversation. If, if, if you have content and a structure and activities that ultimately enable the attendees to walk away with something actionable that they can take to their business and as a result, improve that business. I think it's wonderful. But I'm curious if you had a conversation with a photographer that said, Hey, you know what? You're, you're new to the business. Why do you feel like you can offer a workshop or host a styled shoot? What, what benefit do you bring the photography community? Um, let's play a little devil's advocate. How would you respond to them? The, I'm like I said before, I'm very OCD organized. So basically this entire, uh, workshop slash styled shoot, it was just being very disciplined on my organization and okay. making sure all of my ducks were in a row. And that's, that's how I uh, established doing this workshop. Everything else just kind of fell into place, but I'm, I was very detail oriented as far as having a timeline and uh, setting boundaries and stuff like that. What was the, what would you say was the primary goal of the attendees? Um, and we're going to get into how you structure the workshop and, and how you enabled attendees to be able to have a, a bit of a retreat experience through this as well. We'll get to those details in a second, but okay. was there, I guess, you know, a lot of times um, when, in, in order to accomplish something, especially when it comes to creating content or in this case, hosting a workshop for the sake of hopefully benefiting others, um, there's got to be some kind of an end goal in mind, uh, both from the standpoint of the host as well as the attendees. The attendees want something out of it, right? So how did, what did sure. you, when you were selling this idea of the workshop to the attendees, what, what did you, uh, what expectations ultimately did you create for them? What, what were they expecting to get when they came to the workshop? They got fed all day. <laughs> Food. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, they got two different shoots each day so the first day on Tuesday it was a boho modern wedding that I had a bride and groom they were actually married but they had never had a wedding so we did a legit first look with them which was great but then we also had a table set up we had the arbor we had a different table set up with details they there was a lot of there was a lot. And now that I think about it, I probably had too much, but I'd rather have too much than too little. And so you could come for the whole week or you could come per day. And so that first day was the boho modern themed wedding. And then the next day was just a portrait styled uh, shoot. I teamed up with the Sassy Owl Boutique Indicator and I got a lot of their fall clothes. And we had two different models that um, just had regular portraits. Cause a lot of times when you go to a style shoot, it's usually like, you know, fake wedding, but I wanted something a little bit different for the next day. And a lot of people forget how, you know, portrait sessions can be a little difficult because it's just one-on-one. You don't have that couple there to, you know, do that, the cute couple posing. So I wanted to offer something different. So I did the second day with just the portraits and the, uh, the boutique clothing. So I made sure that there was plenty to photograph. Um, we had that day, we also had some flat lays because everybody forgets how difficult flat lays can be. So we had a lot of flat lays that people could work on as well as the models. So we had a lot going on. So I guess really the, the biggest value for this workshop um, was the opportunity to, to take a lot of pictures for the sake of their portfolio. Is that right? Yes. That's cool. That's cool. And and by the way, for everybody who's listening in, you can actually kind of get a feel for this workshop. I mean, the imagery that you posted is beautiful, Rachel. If you go to rawimageswithrach.com slash fall dash retreat, and we'll link to it in the show notes so you can see this, but you kind of get a feel for the the workshop itself as well as the imagery that was captured. And um, wow, it looks like just beautiful setups and ultimately great opportunity for portfolio building for sure. 
Uh, a couple, oh, yeah. A couple of things that your attendees, you said, commented on. One was the structure, and you've already alluded to this. Uh, I have to say that I'm, I'm glad that you emphasize structure. You do strike me as somebody who's super organized, but um, I, I've been to plenty of conferences and workshops over the you know roughly two decades or so I've been in the industry, and one of the things that still happens at conferences that you that are relatively large and, and maybe you've even been around for a bit that you would expect to be well organized, they're not, and they fall apart, uh, in, at least in some cases. And man, it really affects the experience of the attendee in that case when things are a bit chaotic and haphazard and and the conference organizer or organizers seem like they don't really have their stuff together either. What did you do specifically? And maybe you can share a few different ways that you created this sense of structure amidst what can be a bit of a chaos in style shoots. Sure. Yeah. So I created a beautiful timeline and uh, I'm very detail oriented once again. Uh, but there was a timeline for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And the timeline consisted of breakfast was at this time. We'll start detail shots at this time. Here's your opportunity for last minute shots at this time. Here's what's on the menu for dinner and all this, all this other stuff. So I was very detail oriented when it came to the timeline. That way, once I got to actually doing this style shoot that I wasn't distracted by um, anything that might pop up along the way. And if I, if there was an issue, then I'm like, okay, well, I've got, I've got 15 minutes to sort this out. But um, so that timeline really uh, allowed me to create boundaries to, for the attendees. So the, the girls that stayed the night, I really wanted them to be aware of how beautiful this place was that we were staying. So I didn't want there to be a lot of clutter. And plus there was people that paid for just the day to come for the day to show up and shoot. So um, I set those boundaries by the timeline and then having rules as far as like, make sure you put your stuff up in your sleeping area whenever you're finished. And people really respected that, you know, once you lay the, that, the groundwork in the beginning, it's easier to um, go throughout the day. And it's not like you have to have those awkward conversations like, hey, can you put your stuff up? You know, cause we're having people over. Go ahead and set those expectations up front. And then as far as organization goes, I really, for the for the style shoots, I really made sure to have a lot more than just less. Because these people, I mean, they're paying a good amount of money to come and, and shoot and, and be able to grow their their portfolios. So I wanted to provide more than just uh, models. So uh, if you go to the, my blog post, you'll see all those details. There was gorgeous flower arrangements. There was there was cups and plates and and cake and it was it was great. So I had a lot more than what I kind of thought in the beginning, but it was it actually turned out to be a really good thing because there were a good amount of people there, and that way everybody isn't crowded over one cake. You could go shoot the cake, and then you could go be with the models, and then you can go to the other table. So being able to have more and having it spread out like that really helped. Okay. So I wrote down three different things here. One was a a timeline. You said a beautifully created timeline. Were you giving that timeline out digitally or did you have like a handout of some kind that you're giving to the attendees? Yep. Both. I emailed it beforehand and then I had copies there whenever they showed up. And one of the things about a timeline that can be a bit frustrating, at least for you talk about being OCD, I'm a little bit OCD when it comes to time management and uh, at least in certain contexts. And one of the things that you see happen at at conferences, a lot of times the timeline can fall apart, not necessarily the whole time, but at certain instances. And when you have a, a big timeline with a lot of different activities, if one thing falls apart, it can create this snowball effect or a domino effect and, and you can get into some trouble later on. So how did you ensure that the timeline was followed as closely as possible? Really just staying on top of everybody. Because okay. a lot of people, uh, you know, they might have been down at the pier taking pictures. I'm like, hey, we've got 15 minutes until we need to do this. And just kind of staying on top of things while trying to get content myself. That was probably one of the hardest parts. Trying to multitask that way? Yeah, I can imagine. Yes. Um, neatness and cleanliness was kind of the, the the second point that I wrote down here. 
Um, and it really is interesting to consider how that makes a difference in the overall experience of an attendee. There's, I'm not sure if you want to comment any more specifically on this topic, but I tend to be a bit of a neat freak. I know that it, it creates this sense of kind of freedom and relaxation for me when I don't have a bunch of clutter sitting all around. And certainly if I'm going to pay to go to a workshop or a conference, if things are a mess, if they're chaotic, not only is it going to create a sense of, of I guess, lack of organization, lack of structure, lack of good management, but it might kind of take away from the experience and certainly the effort in this context to be able to, to capture really beautiful images. Is that a tendency that you have in your personal life? So you just tried to carry it over into the workshop? Yep. <laughs> everything's, <laughs> got a, everything's got a place. Yeah. And I, I work much better in a clean environment. And so I really pulled that into, into this, uh, this styled shoot as well, because we had hair and makeup come each day and, you know, they have got a ton of stuff that they have to set up and if there's eight people there bringing their laptops and all their camera gear and everything's just it's just you're right it's visually disturbing when you have to look at a mess and things just don't function right in my head so yeah and then you mentioned the the rich photographic opportunities that went beyond just the models actually having a lot of details there um, I, I don't think I have a lot to add to that uh, or, or any question, follow-up questions to that, but I think it's a good reminder for everybody listening in. If you're considering putting together a styled shoot, going above and beyond, especially as Rachel pointed out, considering the fact that, that these attendees are paying money to be part of something like this, um, not only will it give them a great experience, but if you go above and, and beyond, then it also makes a really great impression and there's a high likelihood that they either come back or refer their friends to come back. Um, because ultimately everybody gets great images as a result. So I think, I think that's good, but there's a second component to this, um, to this workshop you mentioned earlier, which is the retreat aspect of it. You wanted this to also be, uh, it, it sounds like something that was relaxing for the attendees, the attendees spent that, that spent the night in that Airbnb. They talked about how relaxing an experience it was. Will you share a few specific ways that you enabled that experience? Yeah. So, uh, really encouraged those that were staying the night to bring their cutest pajamas so that every evening we could get really comfortable and sit down and edit and work if we wanted to. We watched The Office. We laughed. We had good conversations. We ate good food. And so, you know, some people wanted to sleep in a little bit longer and that's fine. Like the timeline's there for structure, but then I really, really emphasize the retreat part as far as, you know, this is a retreat, relax. There was a beautiful view out back. So there was plenty of seating. You could sit inside and watch TV or if you wanted to go outside and edit or if you just wanted to have conversation. Um, it was a lot of fun to to meet new people because I, I think I only knew one person personally that was staying the night, but everybody else, I, I had no idea who they were and they just found the event on Facebook so it's, it's kind of scary at first, like I'm staying in a house with a bunch of strangers, <laughs> but it ended up, it was great. It was absolutely wonderful. And it was very rejuvenating. And everybody said you know, for a couple of those women that um, they had just had babies, maybe like a, a six months or a year old baby. And this was their first trip away from their children. Um, they said that it was, it was very much so worth it and that they were really glad that they, they took a step back to enjoy this retreat. So the emphasis there in the evenings was to, I mean, you have a timeline driving the day. There's a lot of structure going on there. You kind of remove that structure a bit in the evenings and there's just opportunity to sit back, relax, and ultimately socialize, connect with the other people that are there, um, whether it's watching a show or editing while having conversation. I think a lot of photographers will do something like that or work on their computer while they're talking. Um, but you're trying to create yeah. an environment in the evenings that, that kind of removes some of that structure and just let them chill out. Yes. That's that can be really that can be really nice, like you said, especially for those who are getting away, maybe for the first time in a while, um, the opportunity to have a little bit of adult time and not feel like they've got some responsibility to attend to. It can be really wonderful. Um, but I, I, I like I wanted to I thought it would be good, Rachel, for our listeners to hear a bit of perspective from somebody who has set up a styled shoot. Um, of course, this is one of many many potential ways that a styled shoot can be hosted and put on. Um, and I know this is just your first one too. So you're probably going to iterate and kind of build on this first one and potentially modify it in the future. But I appreciate you being willing to share with our listeners a little bit of the experience that you created, what you've learned from it, what you intend to do through it as well to give that perspective to our listeners. 
So the last thing, though, before we go that I, I want to comment on um, is, you know, this, I have already alluded to this, but there are, there are so many workshops in the industry. It's a crowded space. Not every photographer necessarily has developed the skill set that enables them to put on a great experience for attendees. Um, of course, there's always opportunity to build, as, as I mentioned, and learn and grow and improve. But from your experience so far, uh, the little bit of experience that you've had, what do you think are three important ideas or questions that photographers should consider before attempting to host a workshop or styled shoot themselves? Yeah. So it's not for everybody. Not everybody can put on a styled shoot. Um, and why would you say that if, if I can ask? I feel like a lot of, so there are some people that are really scatterbrained and I don't think it would be for those type of people. I feel like because I am so structured that it did work out very well and not saying that I, this was perfect, but I feel like you already have a, have to have a sense of structure in your daily activities mm-hmm. in order to execute something at, at this large. That makes sense. And, and this wasn't even that large, but it still requires a certain amount of structure, like you said. Uh, and, and I have to, I have to jump on that again and say that, you know, those experiences um, that I've been to, whether it's a, a simple presentation it's an individual presentation of photographers getting up on stage. People are there. They're hoping to get something out of it or a workshop or maybe even a conference that is not well planned out, not well thought out, not well structured. It, the, the attendees suffer from it. Uh, and the suffer is a yeah. bit of a dramatic word, but they, they, you know, here they are making time and spending resources in order to, to come to this particular event. And if you haven't actually put the time and effort energy into creating a structured event that very intentionally plans on delivering valuable content that will help them in their business, you are really selling them short. And um, I've, I've, just, sure. I've seen that happen way too much. So I'm glad that you point that out. It, this tends to be a good thing for structured people. Would you say that's one of the first ideas or, or questions that photographers should keep in mind? Yes, for sure. So you need to consider yourself. I've got three things. Okay. You need to consider yourself. Um, are you structured? Like, do you already design a, a wedding day timeline, for example? That's that's how I knew that I was I was going to be good at this is because my wedding day timelines are already super detailed. So it just rolled over to this timeline to be super detailed. So you have to be structured, number one. And then number two, you have to consider yourself a leader. So me personally, I was uh, my nursing class president. I'm my town's young professional president chair, and I also help lead worship. So I already knew that I was a good leader to put this on. What, and, and let me ask you what you mean by that, by leader, too, because uh, that word has different meanings in different contexts. What, and, and sure. From your perspective, um, what does it mean to be a leader? You have to be able to make those decisions. Um and, and set those, the, the groundwork for, um, organizing this event. So, I mean, cause you know, the timeline's there, but then if, if something pops up like, Hey, Rachel, this isn't, this isn't over here. What can we do? You can't be like, Oh, I don't know. Like you have to be able to make a decision and execute it. And I feel like that's a, yeah, that's a good thing for, to be a good leader. Make a good decision and execute it. That's a that's a wonderful summary of probably two of the most important components of being a good leader. So that's I, I like that. That's really really good. Okay, what's the third idea? Yeah, and then and the third one is you just have to be real. Like you have to strip away the pride and how quote unquote perfect. I'm just so perfect. We're not perfect. You have to be real. So that's what I loved the retreat part of this. It's because we actually got to sit down in the evenings and we actually got to be real with each other. And yeah, I, I taught these girls some, some important things as far as social media, marketing, branding, but then I also learned a lot from them. And, and some of the things I was, I was shocked that I didn't already know. We we're talking about how to calibrate a camera and your lens. I'm like, what? Like I need to be doing that, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, you, you have to, you have to be real. Yeah. And I think being real means setting ego aside. I think there's also the other side of the conversation where I've I've been to, again, hear somebody speak at a conference or workshop or just attended a workshop in general where the person or one of the people in charge or the person on the stage, they are they're a bit of a mess themselves. And, and they, it's like, it, they seem to kind of want to focus on talking about that even. Uh, and it's, it's one thing to, you know, to admit our faults or shortcomings, but it's another thing to kind of highlight that and focus on that. And then it creates a, 
a, you know, if, even if nobody's going to say it, um, I think it tends to create an environment where people are a bit unsure. So mm-hmm. is, is there, I, I don't know, maybe this is more of just, I'm thinking out loud, but is there, do you think there's a balance between like oversharing and, and then also being able to effectively manage a certain level of structure and organization, a sense of organization for the sake of the attendees. So they feel like the person in charge actually has their stuff together and is going to take care of them really well. Uh, not really a balance. I mean, I just feel like it's really important to to be vulnerable okay. in general and, and to be transparent because with any relationship that you have, I mean, if you're not, if you don't have, if you're not vulnerable or transparent in any of your relationships, then who are you? Hmm. Like, I mean, we're all human. Sure. Sure. And, and we, we all make mistakes and, and we can all learn and grow from each other. But I am a real person. The older I get, the more, what's the word? The less serious you take the yourself. More, <laughs> yes. And the more outspoken I am, like oh, okay. I, I will be quicker to admit my faults now than, sure. than five or 10 years ago. So, yeah, there's, I, I can, I feel, I can very much relate to that. Actually, I feel very similar to you. And I think for me anyway, it's been taking myself less seriously and, or not, not kind of propping myself up so big in my, my mind. And that enables me then to have the um, to, to be vulnerable, I guess, to, to admit fault more readily and not oh, yeah. take it so personally, not let those insecurities kind of inhibit my ability to be vulnerable and to admit that I'm wrong. And that does enable me to be able to connect with people a little bit more effectively, I think. So uh, that's a really interesting point. Right. And I really, I told all the attendees, you know, give me feedback, give me constructive criticism. I can take it. I really want you to be honest with me because I, I was honest with them. And so I just, I really wanted that in return. Hmm, that's great. Well, I, again, I really appreciate your perspective, Rachel. Just to, to kind of close our conversation out, will you remind our listeners where they can find you online, social media, and, and um, kind of learn more about what you're doing, follow what you're doing? Yes. Yeah, so Facebook, it's uh, raw images. And then uh, Instagram, it's raw underscore images underscore with underscore Rach, R-A-C-H. And then uh, my website is rawimageswithrach.com. And if you haven't already, it'd be really good to go and read that blog post about the fall retreat. And then you could re-listen to this episode. Yeah. It kind of helps to give give you a a good uh, uh, outline as far as how that style shoot and retreat goes. And please reach out to me. If you have any questions, I don't mind help. I don't know everything once again, but I don't (laughs) mind. I don't mind helping anybody that has a question. I love it. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice too, as they're listening to the episode to have the visual, having seen the images from the workshop to have a visual of what that workshop looked like. Um, You even did headshots for the attendees, it looks like as well, which is really cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to actually take a step back and to, to pamper yourself and think about your brand. And it, it was great. That was one of the, my, my most favorite parts is because we never get to do things for ourselves. Yeah. So to be on the other side of the lens, I just, again, wanted to add value to everybody that attended. So I'll continue to do that from now on. Wonderful. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you check out bocapodcast.com. We'll have all the links that we talked about today, the resources, we'll put those in the show notes. Shout out to Haley for producing the show and, and, organizing those show notes so wonderfully um, check out bocapodcast.com thanks so much Rachel thank you thanks so much photographers for listening to the Boca podcast will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app and I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show my email is nathan at bocapodcast.com Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.